Hello, and welcome to the Hope Brooklyn Weekly Sermon Podcast. Hope Brooklyn is a community of faith in Brooklyn, New York, that believes wherever you are in your spiritual journey, there's room at the table. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this week's sermon. Hi, I'm Janelle. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope Brooklyn. If this is your first time, welcome. We're so glad that you are here. This afternoon, we're going to be talking about the parables of Jesus. And nothing uh, communicates the generosity of God more than Jesus speaking truths of the kingdom of God in parables. Um, He's extremely generous with the mysteries of the kingdom. And and by mysteries, I don't mean like Nancy Drew Hardy Boys type things, although those are really fun. Um, But these are mysteries that we get invited to through the Holy Spirit. And they're divine truths um, that only come through community. They come through the help of God. They come through the help of his Holy Spirit. And so would you um, center your hearts with me? I think it was great that Sharon started off her um, hosting with just take a breath. Um, We've all seen some things this week. We've all encountered attitudes, and some of us are fasting this week, so God bless you. God bless us. It's not easy, Uh, and there is an enemy of our souls that wants to take ground in our heart and wants to cloud our vision and wants to plug our ears when the Word of God is opened, and so this afternoon, let's Let's enter into prayer right now and posture ourselves to hear from God's word. Lord, I thank you that you are a generous God. Lord, you became like creation. You came to this earth and you chose to walk um, the human, in human form, the human experience, um, to taste suffering, to experience death, um, but death cannot hold you. And so, Lord, you are a witness to truth. You are a witness to, um, to what is to come. And so, Lord, we hold on to that, and we thank you for being generous. We thank you for trusting us with your word. We thank you for trusting us, Lord, with community. Um, and, Lord, as we engage this afternoon, Lord, with scripture, God, as your word is proclaimed and read, God, may it stir our hearts. Lord, I pray against the enemy of our souls that would try to come and rob us of the truth and of the gold that you have in store, Lord, even in these next couple minutes. Lord, I pray, Father, um, for ripe soil. I pray, Lord God, for a church who's ready to mobilize and to do what they hear. And to be a witness, Lord, to what they know. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, okay, so this morning as I was reading my daily proverb, I, um, this varies. Usually on Mondays, I come down really, I, come, I should say come up because I live in a basement. It's flooded three times, but that's Brooklyn. Um, <laughs> um, and I come up and um, I usually make coffee uh, and I go into my housemate's office because it's we have 
four windows in our apartment. <laughs> two are, and they're all up on the like on the first level. Um, and one, two of those windows are in my in my housemate's office. And so I read my Bible there, and I grab coffee and I open up Scripture um, to a proverb a day because sometimes I just like. I just don't even know where to start, and so I'm like, I know a proverb a day will will do me some good. And today, this proverb I read, and the Lord's like, I want you to share this with Hope Brooklyn, um, mostly because I thought it was kind of funny, uh, but also more of an admonishment. Uh, right before service, I met with Shimon, and we were discussing some things about um, our church calendar and um, just different things of that nature, and we were talking about, you know, perfection and just how sometimes we want to check all the boxes before we go to print, um, and there's nothing like a good church service or, you know, a good sermon that will say, like, you know, I'm not ready yet, and I have a couple more boxes to check before, you know, I can give this to the Lord or I can come to him or I can serve or I can fill in the blank. But this verse reminded me that God loves a mess. He likes to get dirty. He's not afraid of it. And in Proverbs 14, verse 4, it says, Where there are no oxen, the feeding trough is empty. But an abundant harvest comes through the strength of an ox. Listen, if we want to see the flourishing of the kingdom of God in Brooklyn, we got to get dirty. And you know what? We'll probably be dirty when we start. God doesn't want clean farmers. God doesn't want you to be pristine with a press shirt. He doesn't want all the boxes checked. He wants you. Full stop. And if we say yes to the mission of God, loving our neighbor, acknowledging that we exist for more than just ourselves. That's when heaven comes to earth and the kingdom of God is witnessed to and is a witness to our city. Some of you might be sitting here and think like, I don't have the time to host a family. I don't have the time to pick up the phone once a week to call someone. What if we step out and say, God, I trust you. I trust you. And just as we are a generous church financially, what if we could be generous with our schedule? And in the midst of not seeing a whole lot of margin, say, God, I trust you. And maybe the trough will be a little bit messy, but maybe that's for God to figure out. Because as we are going to learn today, he's the farmer. He's the sower. That's his job. So with that, turn to Matthew chapter 13. And I also want to invite you, church, if you would, humor me. When you come in on Sunday, would you bring a Bible with you? I mean, I know that now we're so techie. We have it on our phones, and we have our tablets, and we have all those things. And that's great. But if you could bring your Bible and a journal and a pen, even if you find yourself doodling on it, because, you know, sometimes you know, we just do. And um, I just want to invite you to interact with this time with between you and the Lord, because maybe just maybe the Holy Spirit will drop something. And when you write it down, you'll be accountable to it. And maybe just maybe through wrestling through actual pages of scripture, 
it won't be as intimidating as a book as it once was. It's so one-dimensional sometimes, and I could just be talking to myself, and if I am, that's fine. But looking on an app can sometimes just be so one-dimensional, and sometimes God wants to breathe new life into you through these pages. This book is living. In Hebrews, it says it's alive and it's sharper than a two-edged sword and it pierces and it divides our heart and the intentions of our heart. If you want to know the intentions of the people around you, scripture helps dictate that. If you want to know the intentions of your own heart, I know sometimes it's hard for us to know that if we're telling ourselves a lie or a truth, but there's nothing like the word of God to do that. And I want to invite you to maybe a new posture in 2024 when it comes to reading. Maybe you write something down in there and you, maybe it's a prayer request and maybe you remind yourself and you date it and you come back to it and you say, God, I trust you. And maybe he will answer. And how exciting to come back to that a year from now and to say, wow, look what God has done. Matthew 13, verse 1, says this. On that day, Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. Such, a lar such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat down. While the whole crowd stood on the shore, he then told them many things in parables, saying, Consider the sower who went out to sow. As he was sowing, some of the seed fell along the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on rocky ground where there wasn't much soil, and they sprang up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up and were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them. Still others fell on good ground and produced a crop, some 100, some 60, and some 30 times what was sown. Anyone who has ears should listen, exclamation point. I love it when Jesus gives us exclamation points. I love a good declarative sentence. If you know me, I love it. And then it says, then the disciples came and up and asked him, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, because the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you to know, but it has not been given to them for whom... For whoever has more will be given to him, and he will have more than enough. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. For this reason, I speak to them in parables, because looking they do not see, and hearing they do not listen or understand. And then he quotes from the prophet Isaiah, and it says, You will listen and listen, yet never understand. And you will look and you will look, yet never perceive for the people's hearts have grown callous, their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn back, and I would cure them. But your eyes are blessed because they do see, and your ears because they do hear. For I assure you, many prophets and righteous people long to see the things you see yet didn't see them. And in the original Greek, he says they coveted. They coveted those things. They wanted to see it so badly. 
to hear the things you hear, yet didn't hear them. You can also find the accounts of this, um, of this narrative in Mark 4 and in Luke 8. So just a couple questions. What is parable? What is its purpose? So a parable is somewhat of a narrative that is uncovering, is, is God kind of doing in an undercover way uh, a simile of what the kingdom of God is like? Now, there is a huge temptation for us to try to, allegory, try to allegorize these stories and try to put meaning to every single thing in these texts and in these narratives. And what I would say to you is be careful of that. Try to just listen to these stories at face value, but listen to what Jesus says. And when he says, when the kingdom of heaven is like, perk your ears up. When he asks us to consider something, perk your ears up, consider it. And when he says to listen and to see, perk your ears up, open your eyes, because he's about to drop a truth bomb. Now, parables have a double purpose as well because they reveal the mysteries of God, but they also conceal them. Because as you know, the people that Jesus is speaking to, or maybe you don't know this, they are under the rule of Rome. So they're an oppressed people. And so they are looking for someone to overthrow their oppressor. And so Jesus couldn't just come out and say, so the kingdom of heaven is like being free from your enemies or being X, Y, and Z. So he was very subversive in some of the ways that he used this narrative to talk about how the kingdom of God was at work. And I love that about Jesus. Um, now, when we talk about mystery, we're not really talking about um, in a classical sense. We're talking about divine revelation because like everything in scripture, this isn't individualized. Jesus isn't looking at some people and saying, oh, you know what, Liz, gold stars for you. You're going to get, you're going to know the mystery, but, you know, sorry, Christina, like maybe we'll just keep you in the dark on that. No, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, is that it's taking a communal effort to be aware of where God is at work because it's stealth. Now, in 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 10, it says this, however, we do speak a wisdom among the mature, but not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. On the contrary, we speak God's hidden wisdom in a mystery, a wisdom God predestined before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age knew this wisdom, for if they had known it, they would, have they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what I did not see and ear did not hear and what never entered the human mind, God prepared for those who loved him. Now God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. So this is an interdependent work. We need the Holy Spirit. We need God in order to understand what he's saying in these specific stories. Now, 
That is kind of the pain of the butt of parables, I will just say right now. And being someone who has studied it for, or who has been studying some of these things, I'm like, why can't you just say what you mean, Jesus? Like, why are you talking in riddles almost in some ways? Um, And what Jesus is doing by inviting us to work with him in these narratives is that he's slowly but surely taking off layers of our hearts that have become calloused, that have become religious, that have become, that have almost become in some ways numb to the truths of the kingdom of God. So we have to be an active listener, and we must engage at a heart level. But here's the thing. Parables are an integral part of Jesus' teachings. And one of the most famous parables is about a farmer sowing his seed in the field, which we'll be looking at today. And in some of the, and as we, and as we look into this, we might come away with more questions than we have answers, and that's Okay. Parables at times leave us perplexed by what we thought we knew to be true. Our instincts betray us until the only thing left is our heart laid before the words of Christ. And it is at that moment that we choose what we do with the words spoken so intentionally to our heart. Do we hear or do we depart from his presence frustrated and annoyed? Anyone who has ears to hear listen. So let's go down. Jesus quotes Isaiah 6, 9 through 10. And in that chapter of Isaiah, he is being called by God to be a prophet to the people. And he is admonishing Isaiah of his purpose to be a spokesman on his behalf. Because Israel is refusing to do what God is telling them to do. And so he's sending another promise to them through Isaiah. He's like, they're not listening. Their hearts have become calloused and hard. We're probably not familiar with that at all. In Psalm 78, too, it says this, My people, hear my instruction. Listen to what I say. I will declare wise sayings. I will speak mysteries from the past. God is prophesying his use of parables, even in the Old Testament. And so they're very much, they're very much, like there is a plan and a purpose for how Jesus is speaking at this point. So the latter part. Let's go to verse 18. Jesus says this, so listen, here we go, perk up, to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what it was sown in in his heart. This is the one sown along the path. And the one sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. But he has no root and is short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he falls away. 
Now, now the one sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the worries of this age and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But the one sown on good ground, this is the one who hears and understands the word, who does produce fruit and yields some 100, some 60, and some 30 times what was sown. So now Jesus is explaining what all this agricultural talk means. He's talking about different versions of our heart, different places of our heart. And he's talking about the environments that we set in order for our hearts to grow. So what is the seed that Jesus is talking about? Well, it's God's word. Each seed contains the raw materials to produce a transformative miracle in the lives of every person. What does it grow? Well, that's a great question. It depends. We don't really know. All we know is, is that the intent is for the seed to flourish and to bear fruit. And probably not fruit for ourselves. I'll just say that as an aside. But that's a whole other talk. But there are things that happen that preclude the seed from growing. Thorns, rocky soil. The seed is vulnerable. Those who have ears to hear, let him listen. Looking at the time here. And then we see that there's good soil. Now, if you look at the good soil, um, I don't even know if the best farmer in the world could produce a hundredfold on a crop. I don't care how good you are farming or how great your soil is. Those are pretty great numbers right there. Um, but it's possible in the kingdom of God. Um, and some of this, I think, too, what Jesus is speaking about, it really is miraculous. Like, what he's talking about is otherworldly. Um, and when he's talking to his audience, they're probably thinking, like, a hundredfold. Like, what, you know, if, if you counted every seed and you just threw them on the ground and every single seed, like, exploded with fruit, like, how, that would be phenomenal. Um, and that's possible in God's kingdom. Um, but also, we know that in the currency of the kingdom, it's probably not always 100. It's probably 60. It's probably 30. You think about the odds when Jesus, you know, healed the 10 lepers. How many returned to give him glory out of the 10? One. Those are our odds. <laughs> and so back to the perfectionism and back to the messiness of following Jesus is that we're not always going to hit it out of the park. And we will strike out at times. But here's the thing. That's okay. Because he's with us. And our goal isn't always 100. Our goal is to cultivate soil to receive all that God has for us as much as possible. And in doing that and in posturing ourselves with that, what if, what if, 
not only are our lives transformed, but what if it changes the ecosystem around us? What if we act on, those small, on that still small voice that says, go? What if we act on that still small voice that says, make room? What if we act on that still small voice that says, give? But we're like, there is, there is no margin to give, Lord. There is nothing. And God says, trust me. What I'm realizing is even in the thorns, even in the rocky soil, there's an invitation. There's an invitation of cultivation. There's an invitation for the Holy Spirit to come in and to do a work that is otherworldly. And when we allow God to do his job, when we allow him to be the farmer and to till and to uproot and to put manure down, okay? It's stinky sometimes. What grows? Mission. Expansion in God's kingdom. Listen, I don't want to build anything. I am not an architect, okay? You don't want me. Janice had me holding up all of these planks to like build a, a, I don't know, a shelf in the back. I was like, girl, I'll hold these for you, but I, I, I don't build things. I'm terrible at following directions and the details of all those things. I'm sorry. Um, and if you are, she would love your help after service. Um, some people, like, I had a roommate when I first moved to Boston, and she loved building stuff. And she's like, give me your desk. I'll build it. And I was, like, giving her my IKEA desk. I'm like, go for it. And she did great. Uh, but here's the thing. We need God. And sometimes, church, we want to be the farmer. I'm a terrible farmer. And sometimes we think we're really good at it and we know where the seed should be dropped. And we focus on the wrong thing. And then we judge. We judge what seed is growing and what seed is not. That is not our job. Our job is the soil. Is it when the farmer comes to throw the seed down, are you ready? That's the question. And you know what? He always comes at the most unopportune time. But there's grace. And here's where the grace lies, and this is where we're going to wrap it up. I love how Jesus goes into all the types of soil and the seed, but where does he start his admonishment? He starts it with consider the sower. Friends, the number one consideration that we start with and we end with is God. He is the default. He is the miracle grow. It is for him, it is by him, it is through him that anything around us is built and can sustain life. We do not have that authority. We do not have that power. And so get out of the way and let him do his job. And when it comes to those around us, it is not our job to dictate 
what their soil looks like or what seed is on their ground, that's between them and the Lord. Our job is to be the best soil that we can be for the collective whole. Amen? What I love about the sower in this is that he sows indiscriminately. He is just chucking the seed on all the ground. He's not just beelining towards the good soil and throwing all his seed on the good soil. He's throwing all his seed on the rocky soil. He's throwing all his seed on the thorny soil. Indiscriminately, God gives grace. He gives his word, and he gives us bread to live. That's hope. And so today, if you walked in here and your heart is as hard as the concrete outside of these doors, God is sowing on that soil, and it will produce. Something else that I want to admonish us with is this. There's an enemy of our souls that is also trying to sow seed, and he's trying really hard. And sometimes that seed looks a lot like the kingdom of God. Persecution, wealth, the deceitfulness of riches. Is it a sin to be wealthy? Not at all. But you know what I'm talking about. When our hearts are cultivated towards that versus the will of God, then we have a problem. And so the kingdom is always countering the empire. The empire builds up, the kingdom grows plants. And so are we building or are we growing? That's the question. And if we're trying to build more than we grow, then maybe, just maybe, we need to realign our hearts and we need to ask the farmer to dig up some stuff. It is not lost on me that this parable is to help frame all the parables that come after. In Matthew 13 alone, there are seven parables. Four of them are for the multitude. Three of them are for his disciples. And because it is now canonized in scripture, it is democratized for all of us. We get both sides of this. We get to see what he told his intimate disciples, and we get to see what he told the crowds. And that is intentional. You want to know why? Because that's what we need in this world right now. We need all the lectures from Jesus. We need all the red words, you guys. Because the enemy is 100% after taking that word and stomping on it. And so as we leave here today, know this. Know that you have a God in heaven who loves you very much. You have a God in heaven who trusts you with his word. And you have a God in heaven whose desire and design is to cultivate that so that you bear fruit, but that also that your flourishing will tangibly be flourishing for a community around you. Amen. Worship team, would you come up? And um, our communion ushers, would you come up for communion? As we come to the table 
this afternoon. Would you ask the Lord um, and would you engage with him and ask him, what next? What are we to do with the word just spoken? And if there's part of this text, if there, if there are things that you're like, you know what? I need to, I need to be a better listener. I need, to, I need clarity. God, um, hey guys, hey. Would you come to the table this afternoon in faith? And if you need to make room to get a little messy, and if you need God to help you, like walk that out, would you be so bold as to ask him, Lord, help me to get dirty. Help me not to be afraid. Help me not to be anxious. Help me to trust you. I pray for trust to be able to walk this out. He will do that, just that. And so I want to invite you, church, um, if you do follow Jesus and, um, and, he, and you are in, a, in an active relationship with him, coming to the table and receiving communion, is, this time is for you. If that is something that you haven't quite made a decision on yet, that's fine. But would you sit here, and as you sit in your seat, would you maybe pray for the first time or consider um, that there is a God in heaven that has an invitation for you, an invitation to follow him and to say yes to the greatest story ever told, which is Jesus who came and walked this earth and died so that we would never have to taste death and that he desires a relationship with you. So Lord, thank you so much for the grace, for being a God who is indiscriminate when it comes, Lord, to participation and invitation of your word being carried out. Lord, may we, God, um, flourish. Lord, may the soil of our heart, God, um, be ready to grow so that those around us, Lord, um, would be able to taste and see that you are good. In Jesus' name, amen.